let's make our confession before God. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Please be seated. Today, um, hopefully, I wanted it to be just one Sunday, but he's not letting me do it. <laughs> but I'm going to be speaking on the message I titled, The World and the End in Parables. The World and the End in Parables. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we thank you. You are our teacher. Thank you. You see, when men think about the world, and when you look into the world, all you see and what's talked about is nations of people, different nations in the world. Different nations in the world, different kind of peoples in the world, different races in the world. But spiritually, when God looks into the world, He sees only two nations. He sees just two kingdoms. He sees just two races of people. Satan would like us to focus on the different races, but God doesn't see it that way. He is, if you want to have it, Colorblind. He sees two races of people. Satan sees just two races of people on the earth. He recognizes what is in the natural that we have different races, we have different nations, the United States, different countries in the world. God recognizes all of that. But as far as God is concerned, there is the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of the world in this world. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of the world. Every human being on the earth, you belong to one of those kingdoms. Whether you like it or not, you belong to one of those kingdoms. If you are not part of the kingdom of heaven, we know what kingdom you belong to. And heavens know about this. Now, I'm going to go into a parable here. That's in Matthew chapter 13, beginning from verse 24 through 30. And I'll read another parable he put forth to them. That was after he had spoken about the parable of the sower. He put forth another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man. What is the kingdom of heaven like? A man. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Whose field? His field. The kingdom of heaven is like a man. It's a parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed. What kind of seed? Good seed in whose field? His field. His field. But while men slept... Night comes and people will go to sleep. While men slept, his enemy 
So the man with the field has an enemy, right? His enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. So we know good seed is equal to wheat, right? He sowed good seed, and now we know that good seed is wheat. Because his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. He didn't stay long. Sodom, he was gone. Went his way to let the seed do its work. <laughs> but when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, so the grain, the wheat still grew, produced a crop, then the terrors also appeared. So the servant of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? So we can tell if you are an owner of a field and you have servants, guess who will be doing the sowing for you? The servants, right? And the servants were given the seed by the owner of the field. And they sowed seed and they recognized, hey, we sowed good seed. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, sir, did you not sow good seed in your field let me say this to you because we're coming to this i may not go back to this when you speak to somebody about god guess who is doing it he is the one doing it the servants were involved in it i'm sure they did the sowing but they didn't say did we not no you did it they said to the master did you not sow good seed in the field, in your field? How then does it have tears? He said to them, an enemy has done this. He knew it. An enemy had done this. The servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, no. Lest while you gather up the tears... You also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together. Let both grow together. Until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, Notice he didn't say, I will say to the servants, my servants. No, there is another group called reapers. I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tears and bind them in bundles. Why? To burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. After Jesus gave this parable, he told the people, asked the people to leave. If Jesus explained his parables to the, of the terrace, the field and the terrace, and we're going to read how, what Jesus explained to his disciples about the parable that he gave. In Matthew 13, the same chapter, verse 36, it says, Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. In other words, this was the same multitude that heard the parable of the sower, and I'm teaching this morning. They heard the parable of the sower. 
I'm sure most of them didn't understand what he was saying. But they heard it. And then he gave them this parable of the terrors and the field. And they heard it. And after they heard it, he sent them away. He sent them away. He sent the multitude away and he went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the terrors of the field. They want an explanation. This is an amazing thing. The multitude heard it. And they left without understanding a thing. If the disciples could not understand what he was saying, how could the multitude understand what he was saying? But they left. They left without understanding it. What he was saying. It's amazing how people come to church and they all hear the message and they leave without the word of grace in their heart. Not a single word of grace in their heart because they didn't understand it. These disciples would not have that. They wanted to know what he was talking about. Most, many Christians don't care. They have done their job by showing up in church, and that's okay for them. And they go home without understanding the word, and they don't take the word of grace in their heart, and the word does not bear fruit. Because before this particular verse, Jesus has said, because they did not understand the word, the enemy came and snatched the word from their heart so that it didn't bear fruit. So it behooves you to take the time to understand what God's saying. You have to have that hunger in your heart to know exactly what he's saying. It's not enough just to hear a message. You need the grace that follows the word. Because it's the word that empowers you to get faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if you don't understand what is spoken, you cannot have faith and the word will not be profitable to you. You just heard words. You sit for an hour or two and went on the way you came. Nothing happened. That's why it's important you sit in a Sunday school classroom where you can ask, please explain that to me. I heard pastors say this, but I really don't understand it. There's nothing wrong with that. The disciples wanted to know. Give us the meaning of this parable we want to understand. And then Jesus gave them, and if you read further... Jesus spoke other parables to them and he asked them, did you understand? They said yes, because he gave them the rule, the principle to understand in all parables. And they understood it. You don't need to explain the other ones, we, we got everything. But many of us, we don't take the time. And there is heaven and there is hell. That's the truth. Just because you don't believe in hell, it's not going to change anything. Look up into the sky. The other day I was walking around looking up into the sky. And I'm thinking, wow, this is so awesome. How could my belief change anything? God said there is going to be a heaven and there is a hell. Whether you believe it or not, doesn't matter. You're not going to change what God has already put in place. It behooves you to do what's right. And follow what God's speaking. And not to follow the crowd. It's easy to follow the crowd. If everyone believes this way. God's not going to change anything because everyone believes that way. He remains God. 
He stays faithful to his word. So they wanted to know. They said, explain to us the parable of the tares and the field. We want to know what you're talking about. Go to the man of God, the minister of God. I heard you say this. I believe, I mean, right there in the office, come and talk to me. I'll listen to you and we'll we, we get this thing settled. We have to ask questions if we really want to understand. And I'm so glad that Jesus was so open to his disciples. They were quick to ask him. We don't understand what you're saying. And he, he answered them in gentleness. We should do the same thing if we want to be like the disciples in Bible days. We must want to know. So he answered them. He said to them, He who sows the good seed is the son of man. He who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field, whose field is it? We said his field is his field, right? His field. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. So the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. And the field is his. And the good seed sown are sons of the kingdom. But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. So we got two people in the world. Just two groups of people. One sown by the son of man. And the other one sown by the enemy. So we just have just two groups of individuals in the world. The field is the world. The good seed are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sold them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. The end of the age. And the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in fire, so it will be at the end of this age. That's what's going to happen at the end of the age. The end is coming. And some people are, these two group of people are going to be separated. One to be burnt. And the other to be in their father's kingdom. This is how important Christianity is. It's not just to go to church. Is to make sure I find myself in the part as, uh, in the kingdom of God. The one who sowed the seed is the son of man. I would have said son of God. Remember that? Son of God. No, he called himself the son of man. Because if you are going to really enter into the sheepfold, you have to be a man. And that's, you can find that in John chapter 10, verse 1 and 2. He says that the one who enters some other way is not the one that is the shepherd. Only those who come in. He says, he who does not come and enter through the door into the sheepfold, the one who doesn't enter into the sheepfold through the door, the same is a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the door, 
That's the shepherd of the sheep. So there is a sheepfold. That's the word. The enemy, Jesus is the one, the son of man, because he was born into our world as a man. And the one who is climbing some other way, secretly to sow the seed, that's the devil. And he's not the shepherd of the sheep. But So the son of man is the one who is sowing the seed. And look at what he said in John chapter 12, verse 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat, do you remember the word wheat? Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. That's how he sowed in his field. Jesus sowed himself. He died. He was that grain of wheat that came to the world and he died. And now we have much grain. And then the enemy also came some other way, not through death, not through birth. And he sown some seed, and they both are in the world. The field is the world where the enemy can sow. Why is the field the world the belong? Why is the field Jesus' own? In Matthew 12, 11, verse 27, the Bible says, All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. So Jesus is the one that owns the field. He gave Him His life for us. But then the enemy also came and sowed His seed. The tears in the world. Notice how the enemy came. And that's what's happening in the world. He came while men were asleep. Secretly, covertly, he came and sowed the church among the wheat. And that's what the enemy does. But notice when the servants found out what was going on, they said, Why? Let's go out there and pull the church up. So that the weeds can grow. The, the master said, no. Let them both grow together. Let them live out the days. Just because God's not doing anything to you, doesn't mean you belong to Him. We have to understand, the world has both tares and weeds together. If the church is part of the world, we also have those in the church. We have tears and we together. Jesus said, let them grow together. Let them live out their lives on the earth. Many times we have questions. This guy is so wicked, why does God not kill him? Well, God is not going to kill him. God's going to allow him to live out his days on the earth. But that doesn't mean he belongs to God. They are in this world, children of God and children of the devil. Just two families in the world. The children of the devil, they don't own his name. Nobody has a last name called devil. However, they bear his image. Jesus said, you are like your father, the devil. 
So they bear his image and they are the tears in the world. Now, question is, why on earth did the devil do that? So tears among the wheat. Why? Have you ever thought about that? He did it secretly and then he left. Because he trusts that the tears also will grow along with the wheat. Why is it? He did that to make it difficult for you to follow through with God. To poison the nutrients made available. Or to take out of the nutrients made available by the master who planted it. And sometimes they are really doing well. You know how weeds grow better than what you planted? Oh yeah. And we're wondering why they are doing so well. And wondering and you're deceived. The Bible says that when the seed is sown, some will fall among thorns. And the deceitfulness of riches, the pride of life, all of these things will choke the seed. And because that's what we see out there with what's going on. The tears are there to cause persecution. Persecution. If you read the parable of the sower, those that fell on stony ground... He said, when persecution and trials came because of the word, by and by they got offended. Christians don't stay with it. We are wanting to be like the rest of the world now. If it's going well with them, we want to follow through. We don't stay with the word anymore. We're listening to what's happening to them, even the tears in the church. God said, let them all stay together. Let them grow together. So we have to be very careful. We have to live a life. The tears, they bear the mark of the enemy. Even though they carry the image of the enemy. If you are in the church and there are things in your life that don't bear record that you really are a wit, you can change that. But if you don't change it, you are going to be separated and you will be with the tears. There's a lot of things happening in the church today. It's frightening. There are people that are living together. They're not married. And they're in church. There are Christians. The Bible says, if the light that is in you be darkness, how dark is that darkness? There are people in the church doing all kinds of bad things and and they've come to accept it. Because everybody is doing it. Doesn't make it right. You have to study the scriptures to find out what the scripture says. Not what everybody is doing. The way to heaven is very narrow. Just few people will find it. People are not committed anymore. They have excuses not to be in the house of God. They know the word says it. But they have their own life. Are you really living for the master? Are you really living for God? Or are you living for yourself? Are you wit? Or your tears? There's no middle ground. We're going to be talking about what's going to happen to those that are gathered to be burnt. Where do you stand as a Christian? What is important to you as a Christian today in your life? What are you living for? For success 
or you're living for God. Jesus lived his life for you. He was raised as like a lamb. From the day he was born, he was raised to be, to be killed for your sake. And he says, you must take up your cross and follow him. But what are we doing? Most Christians are living for themselves today. It's about prosperity is good, but it's not about prosperity. Your prosperity is to help you promote the kingdom of God. What are you willing to give for the kingdom of God? Are you willing to give time to pray? Are you willing to follow the master? That's the issue here. If you are not, then you bear the mark of of the enemy. You bear his image. Because you are not following through with the master. It's very, very important. In Revelation, those that are going to be gathered to go into his barn. His barn is to be the kingdom of heaven. So you are either in the kingdom of heaven or you belong to the other kingdom. The kingdom of the wicked one. And they are going to be burned. In Revelation chapter 14, verse 3. And for it says, these are the ones who were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. That's just the introduction. These are those, or the ones who follow the Lamb, wherever He goes. Wherever He goes. They follow the Lamb, wherever He goes. Jesus said to those disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They followed the lamb wherever he went. And Jesus in Matthew 19 told them, those of you that have followed me, then when the the time of the kingdom comes, they will be thrown, ready for thrones, ready for you to sit by the master. Are you following the lamb wherever he goes? That's the question. Oh, you're doing your own thing. And God is not, God is second place. If it's convenient, that's where you, where you go with him. There was a man that told Jesus, he said, he said, uh, Master, I will follow you, but let me go back and bury my father first. Jesus said, follow me, let the dead bury the dead. In other words, for, forget about burying your father. How many of us will be willing to accept a word like that? That's the issue here. Christianity has become, you know, we go to church and we listen to a message, but we don't understand what he's saying. There is really no seriousness in it. You have to beg people. Something is not right. What is happening to me, what is happening is we are in the last days. That's what it is. Because the Bible says in the last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. They fear what's going to happen to them in the world than they fear what God's going to do to them. They don't really care about those things. It's time to start getting ready because the end is very near. The end can come any time. Like I said at the beginning of the message, the Jews already have their place. From the time 1948 when they owned that place, which was an impossible thing, that's a signal we are getting close to the end. You may say, well, we haven't reached the Muslims and all of those things. We don't know when the rapture is going to take place. Nobody knows. Jesus said he doesn't even know. He told us these are the signs. And we are seeing the signs all over the world. 
all kinds of crazy things happening. Even in the U.S. today, that we have beheading in the land. Yes, you never heard about things like that. That should make you think. That should make us think. The end is very near. Just because people don't want to go to church, that should let you know. It's not like, well, I can't go to church. No, that should make you think. Because the Bible says, in that time, men will be lovers of themselves. They are cool, covenant breakers. They don't care. Hot-headed. No fear of God in their heart. We are living in those days today. And Jesus said, let them be together. Let them, they are planted together. Whatever is sown in the, in the soil. You notice Jesus said, the field is, is, is the Lord himself. He owns the field. But the field doesn't determine what grows on it. Hello? It's what is sown in it that determines what grows. What are you sowing in your life? What are you sowing in your life? We got Sunday school, we have teachers, we have church and all of these things. I tell you what, anything you focus on will take over your life. Whatever you focus on is going to take over your life. If you focus on the things of God, before long, that's it. God will just take over. And that's the right place to be. To be with God. That's the right place to be. God will take care of you. The fear will be gone. He will take it. Notice when the master said, don't go and do anything trying to pull out the tears. Who was he protecting? The tears? He was protecting the wheat. That's you and I. He cares so much for those who are following him. And notice something. The, wheat, the tears did not prevent the wheat from producing. Amen? They're just there. They think they could cause trouble. But God, if you stay focused on the master, you can still bear fruit. You can still bear fruit. The end is coming. In Matthew, the same chapter, verse 41 and 42, it says, The Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom, out of His kingdom, all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace, of fire, there will be wailing or weeping and gnashing of teeth. That day is coming. That day is coming. The angels will be the ones that's going to reap. They come and they know those who belong to him. Jesus said, I know those who are mine. And so it's not a question of you saying, yes, I belong to Jesus. It's whether he recognizes you as part of his kingdom. But he's going to send the angels to gather out of his kingdom everything that offends. Everything that offends. Not just sinful. Everything that is offensive to God. He's going to gather them out. He's not going to take, take those things. And those who practice lawlessness, just doing their own things, don't care about God. It's only what makes me feel good. Pastor says this, well, pastor doesn't understand. This is what I believe. 
not according to the word, but what you believe. But notice, he will cast them into the furnace of fire. And he says, there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. You know what weeping, you know why the weeping is? There are two things there. There's the weeping or wailing, and then there is the gnashing of teeth. The weeping, for those of us in church, regret. Regret. Weeping. Regret. Regret and a sense of loss. A sense of what could have been. That's the weeping. Wailing. Because you had a chance. Grief. You had a chance. You just did it the way they say it in Hollywood. I did it my way. You did it your way. Now it's time to regret. That's going to be there. It's an amazing thing that some of these people that we sit in church and we look at, just because you name the name of Jesus doesn't mean you will make it. I'm being very firm with this morning. Jesus himself said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom. Only those who follow the Lamb, wherever, who did what the Father says to do. That's what is important. It's so easy to lose track of what this thing is all about. And just focus on the day-to-day things and the things that sit and distract our minds with so that we don't really follow him. And then there is the notion of teeth that comes from the pain that people are going to experience in hell. The fires that's going to burn forever and ever. And if you read in Luke when Jesus told the story of Lazarus, these are the things that really, in those days when I was a new Christian, I thought about those things in my mind. And I don't want to go there. Jesus used the word Lazarus because he was speaking of an individual. But he never called the rich man. You know why? Because if he mentioned the rich man's name, the Jews would know who he was talking about. He didn't mention his name. Lazarus was a real person. And in hell, this rich man was begging for water. Just a drop. Just a drop. And I told myself, I don't want to be there. For a million years, begging for a drop of water. And there is not one day that is going to come. We don't speak the truth, but I'm going to tell you, this is the truth. There's not going to be one day that God's going to say, now it's okay, you suffered enough, you can get up. I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there. These are, we got warning signs all over. Make sure, and God is my witness I tell, I'm told, that I'm telling you today, make sure you pursue after God today. Change your mind. Change the way you're doing things. Make God number one in your life. It's not about you. It's about His Son. Who paid a serious price. We have to turn to Him. He is the Savior of the world. We cannot, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me daily. It's a daily thing. 
You got to make a decision for yourself. God is my witness. I told you the truth. The day is very close. We are very close to the very end. You can make a decision today. If you are a Christian, consider your ways. Because Jesus said, I would rather have you hot or cold. If you just a routine thing, he says, I don't want to spew you out of my mouth. I'm not a theologian. I don't understand all of it. But I figured if he spews you out of his mouth, you're no longer in him, right? You can go check that theologically. I don't go there. But he says, if you're not hot or cold, I'll spew you out of your ma- my mouth. So we got to get God, please make me hot. And he will answer the prayers. But to sit down as if it's just something to do. People are giving their lives for God all over the world. People are dying for the faith. You're not able to follow the Lamb. You don't give to His curse. You don't go, you don't have, no, talking about witnessing. What is the meaning of that? All of these things are important for those who follow the Lamb. We got to change our ways. The kingdom of God has to be number one for you. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, all of it. That's what he says. If I ask you this morning, are you doing that? Or are you going to change your way? No man can do anything by himself. These things, I'm telling you, I cry out to God, please, pour your fire here. Please. I know I don't have what it takes. Pour it in my heart. Because I want to stay this way until I see you face to face. I don't want to go in there wondering what's going to happen to me. It should be a joyous occasion. I'm back home. And the master welcoming me just like he welcomed Stephen. When he stood up from his throne to welcome Stephen as they were stoning Stephen. A great entrance. And Paul says, I want to have that same great entrance. I don't want to slide in. I want to be in. I don't want to be by the door. I want to be near the Lamb. Amen. That's where we should strive to go. Not just going to church. Amen. Close your eyes with me this morning. You guys, you need to, if you're sick in the body, God's going to heal you. But it's more than healing of sickness. This is more. Because Jesus gave his life for us. We should come to him. We're going to make a dedication to God today. What I'd like you to do is find something that you were not doing with regards to God and tell yourself, I'm going to start doing this right now. Maybe it's reading your Bible. Maybe it's praying daily. Maybe it's coming to church as, frequent, as frequently as you can. Maybe it's attending Sunday school. Whatever it is, you can do that so that God knows you really mean business. He has to experience it. It's real quiet here this morning, but this is very true. This is the truth. All heads bowed this morning. If you feel like I'm not walking with God the way I should, can you come up here and stand with me? No shame. Come up and stand with me. I can do better. Come and stand with me. 
And we're going to make a dedication. If you haven't witnessed to a soul this past year, you should be standing here with me because the, your, the kingdom is not in your mind. That's what it is. You're busy with everything, but the kingdom is not there. And he knows it. You cannot hide it from him. He sees all things. There is nothing hidden from his face. But may he give us grace today, this very morning. May he pour his grace into our hearts today that we can become the kind of people that he's called us to be. Nobody is perfect. I need more of God in my life. I really do. I need to follow God even more. This is what it takes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's a wonderful thing that you guys have done. You honored the master today. He will honor you. That's the way it says, those who honor me, I will honor. It's not a question of just coming out. It's a question of doing what is right before him. I'm just a man, but by his grace I represent him. And I believe that because you took this step of faith, God's going to pour more grace in your life today so that God will begin to reveal himself to you in a different way, in a new way, so that you can understand him better and do what it takes to live for him. Lift your hands up to our God today. Holy Spirit, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you. Say with me, Holy Spirit, take over my life. Take over my life. I want to be hot for my God. Holy Spirit, pour your fire into my heart. Change my life today. I want to do what's right. Fill my heart with passion for God. I need that grace today in my life. Thank you, God. Amen. Now, thank you all so much. Don't go yet. I want to say a word to you. What you have done today is recorded in heaven. This is recorded in heaven. And God is saying it. Now, what you don't want to do is feel bad after you leave this place. Amen. What I encourage every one of you to do is what I've always encouraged people to do. And I've said and I'm saying to the whole congregation, if you have questions, please come and talk to me. I'm right there. I'll take the time. That's my job. God called me to do this. Talk to me. Don't ever leave with misunderstanding. I have time. I will stay with you till midnight to make sure you are clear. I don't know everything. If you ask, ask me a tough question, that I, I'll tell you, go, come back tomorrow. Let me pray, okay? I'll find the answers and I can talk to you. I'm still growing as a Christian as well. I am a child of God. But I will, if I have the answers, I'll let you know that and we can pray. And God does answer my prayer. Amen?